and different stages require well, this more. This is the key is that you have to understand is efficiency now or effectiveness now creates problems in the future. Are you doing it? Or am I? Oh, okay. Parenting and toddlers. Doesn't it feel out of control? I think it definitely can. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's crank it. So welcome to the Out of Control podcast, where we talk about all things out of control, yeah. like parenting, yeah. also right. relationships. Are you going to introduce yourself? Oh yeah, I'm Matt. I'm Molly. And we're totally out of control today. This is our first time recording with video in the new studio, and we don't know what the heck we're doing. So come along for the ride. It's out of control, all sorts of fun, trying to figure out how is it that you can let go of the control and little live a little out of the control in and out of control world all right so welcome back guys and we're this is this is the first in studio new studio yeah your studio is not quite finished not quite cleaned up yeah this is going to be kind of the setup we're going to test some lighting and see and there might be some add-ons uh but for right now it is uh i think it's working I guess we'll find out when we watch the it's video. It's nice afterwards. to not have it in our bedroom anymore. Yes, for a while the podcast was in our bedroom. Before that, it was in our my office, which was in the process of moving. So it's been consistently chaotic here, but we make it look good on screen. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. I don't do anything. <laughs> so, all right, I'm gonna turn to face you a little bit more, so uh, our audio audience uh, can hear us and we can look at each other. So, okay. All right, so um, today's podcast is all about parenting toddlers in the last podcast we started a series that we're doing right now which is sort of our perspective on the challenges that it is to parent you know kids in, in the different stage. stages yeah and how it is that you can do that and then how it is that you can um, adopt certain principles or concepts and so last week we felt like we had a pretty good conversation about babies and today we're going to talk about toddlers so for us we're talking you know, really, toddler stage kind of starts maybe even late one, two years old. We kind of said like two to five. Two to five years old, yeah. So depending on how kind of quickly your kid is maturing, right? Well, yeah, we just picked the ages that made sense to us. And... Yeah, so. so that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, this stage is really a stage of a lot of exposing of your child to the world, right? So you're, they're starting to really understand uh, the first stage is protection right you're really just protecting them and taking care of them it's a lot of caretaking loving teaching them love not a whole lot of besides crying feedback you're not getting a lot of verbal feedback yeah so communication starts to come in at yeah. this stage and so that becomes a, a critical piece of what it is that you're going to focus on uh, that, that we, we we feel like um, we try to focus on at the stage. So if you haven't been with us before, we have three boys, uh, 17 year old, 15 year old, 11 year old, and we are not parenting gurus. We just like talking about cool concepts and we have a cool family. We're really lucky to have kids who we like, who we feel like us and are open and communicative with us Mo for the most part they're yeah. still kids they're still humans still normal have their days um have their moments just as we do so uh this is not really about us being like some sort of um example oh, I, I know everything okay and i'm not here to provide an example i'm just here to have a conversation so uh but before we do that it's time for 
fun facts with Matt and Molly. All right. We're getting there. So um, actually, I had a new episode, our new new thing that I think we should try. Okay. But uh, let's do the fun facts first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fun facts. Got one? Yes. Okay. I love fall. Yes. And I love hiking in the fall. Yes. And I want to. I went on a really pretty hike. Yes. Yesterday. Yep. Where did you hike to? Well, it used to be called Squaw Peak, but mm-hmm. they changed the name. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm. But it's very pretty. It starts with a K. Mm-hmm. I've taken a few girls up to Squaw K-Y-V-N-A. Peak. K Y V N E. I don't. K. No, I don't even know. I don't remember. Okay, that's helpful. You, you can post a link. I don't like it when you suggest Make that you I should do post. <laughs> My fun fact for the day is that I, um, I'm getting to that stage. It, you know, I was always kind of worried about Molly transitioning as a mom to the stage of, you know, kids out of the house. And, you know, I think a lot of moms really struggle with like their identity and who they are if their kids are gone. And, um, I didn't think that would be really hard for me, but I had a moment the other day where my son was not in the house. Did I share this before on the podcast? No, not on the podcast. And I woke up at like Saturday morning and he had spent the night at his friends. And I'm just used to, a lot of times Saturdays I am the first one up. Most other days it's kind of off. Sometimes you, sometimes me. But Saturdays a lot of times I'm the first one up. And, um, and he wasn't there. And I just, I realized how much I'm going to miss him when he's gone. And our conversations and those little early morning interactions. And so... I guess the fun fact for me is that uh, I'm susceptible to this uh, this challenge of transition. Yeah. I'm going to miss him when he's gone. He's a real friend. Um, uh, he's 17, and uh, we are we ride our motorcycles together. That's been really, really fun. We don't go all the time, but it's the times we have gone have been really meaningful and stuff. So that is, uh, that's my fun fact. Yeah. Is that, uh, I love my boy, and uh, I'm realizing I'm going to have to do some, uh, some preparing. And it also did, it has made me be a little more conscious when he asked me to have a conversation or to talk to him to, to say yes and be a little more present than I was before that moment. So I'm grateful for that moment. So, all right. Well, that's our fun facts for uh, today. Uh, I've got a new session. Favorite things. New session. Oh, new, new idea. well, I used to have a blog called My Favorite Things. Okay. That didn't work very well. I didn't know you were going to do that. I was trying to, you know. So uh, favorite things uh, in your life right now. So it could be an item. I was thinking an item would be cool, like something that you okay. have or purchased. I, I can go first if you need a moment. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I was gonna try to guess. What you're gonna oh, you're gonna guess? Are you wearing it? So it was. It is a really tough thing, but I think that that might be my favorite thing right now. Okay. I don't know. It's like it's not. I've got a few. I've got. A, I've got a few new purchases recently, and so my camera, which we're filming on right now, is definitely. Uh, it's a camera I've wanted for years or, well, I wanted the A7S three, but the FX three came out. I finally bought the FX three and I love it. I'm excited about what we can do with it for what you can do with it, what I can do with it, producing content. And, um, so I'm really excited about putting a lot more content out there. And I think that that is critical for the next stage of what we're trying to build. So that's probably my favorite thing, but I do really like my new Apple watch, my ultra. Um, I'm three since I bought it. Every day, all three rings filled out. It has helped you uh, have a little pep in your step with motivation when it comes to like being active and stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I'm definitely more motivated. I park further away. 
Just wait till we're in competition. Uh, Molly has one on the way today. Any moment, possibly during I this podcast. I don't know if that's my favorite thing yet. I'm a hardcore Garmin user, so I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. My favorite thing currently, I can't really reach it. I have to move the microphone. That's fine. You move the microphone. Oh, she has this new, what do you, are you guys surprised? It's clothing. <laughs> it's a free people like fleece jacket. Mm -hmm. It's really cute because I love it because it's neutrals and brights at the same time. Yeah. So free people. And maybe we'll put links to our favorite things. Free people. Maybe that would Sponsor be worthwhile. Me, please. All right. So if you have any connections to free people, let her know. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this. So um, parenting, 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 parenting. And what uh, do you do about toddlers? So go ahead. La last episode, we kind of touched on partnering and parenting before we really got into the, yeah. the meat of parenting and infants. So we're not really going to talk about that. Yeah, we've had both a podcast on parent part, partnering and parenting, and we've touched briefly on that. We might talk a little bit about keeping the relationship at the stage, but it's a lot of the same thing as the yeah, first one, right. communication. Yeah, most, mostly we'll just focus on what parenting looked like for us and what we really tried to focus on at that stage. Yeah. So, so parenting and toddlers. Parenting. I will, I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. My favorite stages of parenting are not... The younger years. I, I, I don't think, I have to admit, I don't know that toddlers is my favorite stage. I actually like babies, I think, more than toddlers. Um, they're really hard for me. Yeah, they, there's there's still some communication challenges, um, some of the ways in which they're trying to feel their way through the world. But let's it's, talk about it, understanding yeah. toddlers. It was more me yeah. than them. Yeah, you know, that's. I guess that's true, is... Part of what made that stage hard for me was it was so hard for you. Yeah. And so when that's... Because we talked about OCPD. And yeah. if I had known what I know now back then, yeah, I think not necessarily easier, but I think I just would have had a better understanding of how I operate and how I could make that work as mm -hmm. a parent of young kids Yeah, and enjoy it more. Yeah. And so I don't necessarily have regrets, but I do have some like sorrows. Okay. Around that. But, um, yeah, which is why we're talking about this because we want to share those of you that maybe have younger kids some things that we would go back and do differently. And also, as always, we've talked about having this podcast for our own kids. So, what is it that we would encourage them to do? And so, I think um, one of the first things uh, that we can talk about is the nature of kids and um, sort of the way in which you teach them. Uh, I think it's pretty common for us to say, and, and um, be sort of um, encouraging our kids through using these words like good boy or bad boy, good girl and bad girl. And one of the books that we really liked that was introduced to us at this stage is Love and Logic. Yeah, I um, do remember that. I think that's a great program for any parent of this stage. And what the concept with this uh, love and logic idea, if you haven't already been exposed to it, you should probably have, but um, is the idea that you're always trying to think about what it is that you're trying to give your kids. And if, it, it, yes, we're trying to teach them behaviors, right? Yes, we're trying to teach them um, how, you know, how to behave in this world so that they can be effective. But sometimes we focus so much on the behavior that there's a lot of, there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of like, you're wrangling this little animal. I, in. I would, I would even say, um, I'm, I'm 
good at better at it now not like perfect but try to put myself like you know you, you always hear put yourself in the other person's sh shoes mm -hmm. and I feel like I try to do that more frequently with my kids now mm -hmm. but I think that would be a helpful thing to do even when they're toddlers like what what would it be like to be a toddler you don't you're learning, you're exploring, like everything is interesting. You want to touch everything. You don't want to sit still. Yeah. Um, you're basically like a little ball of like. Fascinated like, energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I just wish I would have like relaxed. I was a really uptight. Yeah. Mom. Well, in some aspects. Yeah. And, it, it, and luckily they don't have. Well, there, there might be why they had some therapy early on. So, <laughs> but, I mean, and, and, and I think I didn't know what to do with it. I just felt like this, like, I'm, I'm trying to juggle your emotions and yeah. feelings. And, 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 and also so. you have feedback coming in from all different places, right? You have like my family, your family, you know, feedback from the society we live in and how people think kids should behave or shouldn't behave yeah it's i mean it's hard to, how you did it it's growing hard up to be versus how... in a store and have your three-year-old screaming and not feel like you need to change that yeah you right? can remove yourself from that right the, the store right? right so your child can work through it but yeah to to really and i think it comes with age and a lot of the work we've done but to not care so much what other people think like really find your path uh what's important to you and your family and then go with that yeah. and not be so concerned about all this yeah i think you have to ask yourself why why is it that my kid's screaming in the because i think the reality is a lot of us as parents we can sort of like we can like sit back and go oh well they didn't take a nap this morning they you know are hungry they're exhausted. We just walked past a toy aisle and a candy aisle and said no to them. Like, can imagine if you put yourself in their shoes, like I think a lot of parents can be like, I do understand why you're breaking down, yeah. but there's sort of this like desperation of like, but please just, just, I just need a break. Right. I just need that. Cause break. a lot, of, a lot of a toddler's life is doing what the parents want or need to do. Yeah. Right. Especially if there's any other siblings that are older or whatever. It's just like, I'm going to the store with you. I'm like, I remember you asking, like, please don't make me go to the store with these kids. Well, when, when I started homeschooling, they went everywhere with me. Right. Yeah. They did. Oil yeah. changes, grocery store. Yeah. Like, now they don't want to go anywhere. So. Yeah. yeah. So so I think it's it's important to just step back. And it, it sometimes it, as adults, we think about this. Oh, put yourself in the other person's shoes. But it's it's fair. Kids also need us to put... Um, us in their shoes and and I get that we want to teach them how to behave in a store right but I think part of it is recognizing the time to teach them about these things so if you have a bad incident at a store or in a public environment right the time to teach them how to behave is not there in the store have a game go home play a game let's pretend we're at the store and we see candy and I want you to want this candy like so much maybe buy some candy and role play this right and be like, all right, we're going to role play this. And if you, you know, do this, do these things and you do well, then we're going to have a reward at the end. Right. And find some ways to reward your kids. Maybe it's not candy. Maybe you want to reward them with fruit or healthier something or other. You want to create a different type of discipline, but give them a chance to, to walk through the things that are struggling. And, and sometimes you don't realize what they're going to struggle with until you're there. Right. And then sometimes it's just the nature. Like we used to go to church every week. And that was just miserable for our kids, for one of our kids specifically. They did not like to sit still. They did not well, like what, to, what 
three, be quiet. Like what three-year-old wants to sit still? Right, exactly. And so um, it's, I think it's okay if, you, if your choice is that our family goes to church every Sunday and we sit in the pews and we, that's what we do, that's fine. And, and I think, and, and, but, but have a, a, a tempered expectation over a period of time for those kids to have the opportunity to adapt to that. And I recognize that they may have been fine when they were babies and then all of a sudden now they can walk and they can explore and, you know, and so they're going to be trying to do those things. And so, and, and then the other thing is, I think it's okay personally, if you take some time off from church here and there, maybe it's not every week, but during those stages or trade off as parents, um, to, to give yourself a little bit of a rest. Um, if it's just too much, let that day of be a day of rest in that, in that situation. Um, so, and we didn't do that. Like a lot of times we would say, I remember holding Benny until he broke in a little room in our church building because he was that just screaming. It, no, it, it is. But it was like, I, I felt this obligation. I had to be there. Even if it was miserable, I had to be there. That was the goal. And he, I just held him. When I say broke, I just mean until he's just stopped crying. Like he, I just held him because he was squirming and whatever. And I just held him and held him and held him until finally he just like collapsed and fell asleep. Right. And so I, that's hard. That's really hard as a parent because you love your kid and you do not want to see him complain but you're like committed to this thing and so um i don't know that 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 was the right way to think about these things but let's let's get into like what is effective and powerful and i think one of the things is communicating around um choices yeah and instead of telling your kid hey that way way to go that was you're a good boy or you're a bad girl or oh that was a bad thing that or that that was a bad girl right like sometimes we we almost treat them like dogs right which maybe we shouldn't even talk to our dogs that way. I don't know. But recognize that the there's some real danger one in that, in, in this bad girl or bad boy or um, um, you, uh, you know better, some of those things, and then just know all the time, right? So what do you do instead? So what do you, what do, you do instead? Do you want to explain love and logic a little bit? Um, well, I can talk about like choices. I don't remember... I know we got the concept from love and logic. I, I couldn't tell you. all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it's the, the point is exactly it, it, what you're saying. Yeah. It's instead of teaching them, you're a bad boy or bad or, girl. Or, that, you're teaching or you have them, to do everything mom or dad says, right? You don't, you don't have a choice. You just have to do what we say yeah. when we say it, how we say it. Exactly. And start, to, and you're teaching them at a young age that no, they do have power mm-hmm. over the things they you know, need or want to do you, but you give them choices to choose from that you'd be happy with either one. Right. And they're small because they're young kids and they don't have the capacity to make. Right. You're, you're really teaching them how to make decisions. Yeah. You're teaching the power of agency. And so the way you do that is instead of once again, do this, don't do that. No, no, no. Hey, behave. That's not the right way. Instead of telling them all the things they're doing wrong, you say, Hey, um, in the store, we, I looked at, and I noticed that you were, you know, disappointed about not getting candy. Let's talk about that. Right. So what would, and and I get that sometimes like a two-year-old, this is interesting, right? So you have to like play a game rather than have a conversation as they get to four or five, you can actually have a conversation with them. But so the idea is that you say, okay, here's your choices. So let's say, let's say you are in the grocery store, right? And they're like, I want candy, Right. And they're like, uh, they're they're about to throw a fit, and you can say, "Hey, here's your choices. Okay, you can throw a fit right now, and we will leave, and you will go home and take a nap, or you can choose to sit by mommy and um, and 
be quiet and maybe we'll listen to your favorite song on the radio on the way home. Which one would you like to choose? So they get to choose. Now they may choose the temper tantrum. We've had times where our kids sometimes will, but um, you give them the choice and they, and, and by, by giving them the reality that life is full of choices, you give them the chance to see a different way of responding to things. You give them a chance to see like, oh, I could do that. Yep. And I could do this. Oh, and if I do that, I might get something good. And you start connecting positive consequences with positive decisions. And I, I do understand that there is a, a, um, some of this that sounds somewhat, maybe some people might say, oh, that's manipulating. You're manipulating your kid. But really, you, that, you kind of have to keep asking yourself, am I manipulating or am I trying to teach them positive consequences for positive choices? And I think as long as you're trying to teach them positive consequences for positive choices, it's good. <laughs> you slow down. <laughs> so positive consequences for positive choices, then that, that's, an, that's an effective way of being with your kids. Yeah. I think you can also use the, the choices concept. Like when you're transitioning, let's say your bedtime is coming up. Mm -hmm. So you can say, hey, here's your choices. Do you want to choose to play 10 more minutes and then go brush your teeth and get in bed? Or do you want to play five more minutes, brush teeth and get in bed and we'll read a story? Yeah, that's a great example, right? And so start to anticipate that. Transitions are another thing we got to talk about in a so second. So you can put the choices in your transitions because I think giving yeah. kids a heads up, like a warning, like, yeah. hey, we're leaving for the store in 10 minutes. You set a timer, right? Because yeah. when they're that young, a concept of time is not really... Absolutely. And so, so choices are the key to this stage in life and teaching your kids how to have op that they deserve and, um, and how to make small choices, small decisions. It sets the stage for all the other stages we're going to talk about, but this is the foundation yeah. here. And, and you can have fun. Like yeah. it doesn't always have to be like, yeah, when yeah there's exactly. going to be like a, a hard thing that could come up. You could make it funny. Like, do you want apple juice or milk to drink with your lunch do yeah. you like you can just yeah. sprinkle the choices all throughout your day yeah so then they feel like they like oh like i really do get to say they're not consciously thinking that but yeah. they're you're they're learning well and i think they feel like mom and dad care about my opinion which mm -hmm. i think is valuable to, to start early on i mean i think you're starting also to teach trust yeah i trust you to make this choice yeah yeah and then in turn, they learn how to trust themselves to make choices. Exactly. So this is the foundation for almost all the other parenting stages we're going to talk about, even though it's super young and it seems like it's not a big deal. So, uh, so, so that's one of the things. So one of the things is choices. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the root of the love and logic concept. And in fact, there's a funny story that we always tell in our family. And um, we did this so much that um, Tyler, our oldest, he's 17 now, when he was about maybe three or four years old, we were in our one of our first houses, and Molly was having a little hard day. Yeah. See, she had a hard day. And so she was sitting on the couch, and she kind of had her arms folded, and we were about to leave, and we needed to go. We were we had decided we were going to go maybe out to eat or somewhere. I, I don't know what we were going to do. Run errands, I don't remember. No, it was something fun. Go to the bookstore? I don't know. No, I, I, hey, well, I liked, was looking they forward liked to it. They did like doing that. Um, but, um, which is, by the way, a great free activity for young kids, um, bookstore. But remember the trains at the place? Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. Yeah, at Stonebriar Mall. Yeah. So, uh, so, so what we used to do was we would, you know, we would be walking out the door. And so Molly's having a hard day. And, and he, she's just like, Phew. and I'm trying to talk to her. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm, I, I she's, 
she's not coming out of her mood. We're going to go. So I said, Tyler, come on. We're, we're going to go. Mom's just having a hard time. Tyler must have been like three. Maybe four. Yeah, he was young. He was really young. Could communicate pretty good, but but pretty young. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking four because by the time you can and he he comes over to to Molly, and he looks at him and he go or looks at her and he goes, "Mom, here's your chances. You can either come and have fun with us, or you can stay home and be mad. What do you choose?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was so it was funny because it was just one of the first of many many experiences with our kids where the way in which we've taught them has come back to have them teach us mm-hmm. things at a meaningful moment. So um, very very fun little moment with Tyler. Um, I, so I'm going to transition into another, okay. um, I don't know, bullet point, mm-hmm. parenting and toddlers. Uh, I think how you respond to situations, mm-hmm. uh, really starts setting the tone for your kids to know if they can't, if it's safe to come tell you something mm-hmm. versus hide it. Yeah. Right. When they spill a glass of milk oh, yeah. or they break a light bulb or, or they, you a lot know, of broken things, a lot of messes at pull this Pull the blinds down. Like, yeah. how do you, did, I, I never did it perfectly. I, there, I do remember trying to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you've always been good at the big things. But to not react emotionally in that split moment when you discover something went wrong mm-hmm. and to just like take a breath. Mm-hmm. And then respond. What I've found is 99% of the time, they already feel bad. Oh, for sure. And if you put your focus on them and how they feel, um, you're going to probably already pull out. There seems to be this part of us that like wants to teach the lesson. We want to be the teacher. And it's like, do you realize what this is and how much this costs or what this means or, you know, how important this thing is when you, that you broke? Yeah, you can like, teach that, but yeah. in, in that moment. Yeah. You you need you need to give space for they're already probably feeling a lot of emotions exactly and I think being being in a way being with them in a way that says wow I imagine you feel really bad about this or or just ask them you know well, what oh, wow, happened what happened and oh how did that make you feel when that happened and then have them be a part if you know to whatever degree they're capable of helping clean up yeah yeah and and like okay well. What do you think we should do about it, right? Ask them to be involved in the solution. And we've had kids, I've had kids, we've had kids, our kids, if they break something, they oftentimes will be like, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for the fix. Like they take accountability. I mean, now, for, but not at two years old. <laughs> well, not at two, but but even like seven and 10, like I, I when they didn't really have money to yeah. to put towards fixing things. Like it was they, more just, let's clean it up. Yeah, let's clean it up. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it, right? So... I think involving, it's not about like making it, oh, it's okay. I think you need to be careful about that. Like, it's not like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Right. It's like, oh, well, how did that make you feel? Okay. Yeah. That's a hard thing. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for mom too. So, but we love each other. We'll get through this, right? We're, our relationship's more important than this thing. Okay. So we'll find a solution and and mom may have to be sad that she doesn't have this thing. But you know what? There's other things in life too. There that that mom can buy. Maybe we can go pick something out together at the store, and and find something new to replace this or whatever it may be. Like, just have them involved in the solution. We're not trying to diminish that bad things don't hurt, but we're also not trying to create shame around bad things because then they don't share it in the future. So, yeah. 
Uh, we kind of touched on it, but I think along with that is just how often um, we are about no. And as a young kid, mom or dad, it's easy to be like, no, 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 no. And I think learning to take it, take as many opportunities to say yes mm-hmm. is really important. And so if you, the next time, if you're a parent of a toddler, the next time you say no, just, just pause for a second. If you can catch yourself before you say no, then great. But if not, then catch yourself right after you say it and ask yourself, was that a reactive no or could I, could I have said yes? I think that goes for Everything. every stage after. Yeah. Like I still, yeah. like sometimes I'm tired and mm-hmm. like Tyler the other night mm-hmm. wanted to play chess. Yeah. All I really wanted to do was go lay in bed and watch Better Call Saul. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, But... I played a game of chess and at first it was like, Hey, I'll just play like 10 minutes. And then, yeah. then I did get into the game. I'm not very good at it. Cause Tyler was teaching me how to play it. Right. Um, and then afterwards he was like, mom, play one more game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I could say no mm-hmm. and just go to bed. Yeah. But why not say yes? Yeah. And I think at that point it's okay to say no. If you've said, Hey, I'll do one, but if you want to go another one, that's fine. So, so, um, yeah, I, I just think, I think saying yes or finding a way to say yes is is so much more powerful. And sometimes um, teaching our kids how to communicate so that they can get to you, yes. So so if maybe your first reaction when someone, when your kid wants something or asks them, maybe in, I think that's the first thing we have to do is empower ourselves with, okay, Matt, you're telling me not to say no, but what, what, should, what do I do then? Because I don't, they can't have every candy bar they ever ask for or every toy they ever want, right? So what I would say is, is ask them, Oh, well, why do you want that? And if they like, well, it's, you know, I, I haven't had candy for one week, right? Oh, okay. And so. Well, uh, a lot of times a two-year-old just be, will say, just, I want it just because I want it. Yeah. I mean, well, not yeah, and, words, and I guess but. as as they're a little older, it's a little bit easier for this, but it's like, why, why do you, why do you, you know, why do you want this? Well, no, no, no. Okay. Well, what if we worked out a way in which you could get this in the future, right? And so start to figure out. And that was another thing we used to set goals with our kids when they were young. So it was like, okay, if you like, this doesn't work at two or three years old. Well, like maybe you could do it like through potty training and some things like that. But like there's, there's like, hey, if you do this thing, then there's this reward. We did like six flags at times. We did different like goal setting things. If they made their bed every day or they did their chores consistently. We had like point charts and stuff. If they, if they had a struggle, like maybe they're really being brats to their brothers, we would talk about that and we would say, okay, we're going to give you an engagement option. And, and so, um, when you do it right, you know, when you go a whole day without having a fight with your brother, then we're going to give you a little sticker. And if you get 25 stickers between each other, then we go to eat at your favorite pizza place or go to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. So it's that, that opportunity to say, Hey, there's behaviors that that breed good reactions, but sometimes you're not incentivized enough because you don't see the benefit. So if you add a, a a benefit to them, then they'll work on that behavior until they realize, oh, this is actually possible. And then at that point, you can sort of call them in, call them forward into doing that more in the future. So incentivizing them and giving them a way to find a way to yes is, I think, really powerful. So. There's one last thing that, um, and there's so many things that you could work on and talk about. There's um, different discipline models. Um, I've read a lot of books on parenting and psychology and stuff. And so there's there's a lot of ways to discipline your kids. And, and maybe that's not really what we're focused on here. 
I think it is okay to discipline your kids. Um, okay, so so um, let's talk about one more thing. Like, so what about like spanking your kids at this age? Like, um, there's some people that do spank. What what's your take now on spanking kids? We didn't. We chose not to. Yeah. Um, I personally don't feel like anything good comes out of physic physically forcing someone to do like. Uh, I think you can get a result you want, but yeah. I don't think it's based in in a good way, right? It's based out of fear. Well, at the end of the day, it's teaching a fear model. I, I don't, it's like right. I'm stronger than you, and at and, the end and of I the don't day, think that was our goal. There's is a to create. I don't. Yeah. I don't think living life in a fear model is the most powerful way mm -hmm. to live. Yeah. Or to or to raise kids. Yeah. Um. So we chose not to. Yeah. I think there are other ways. I think the key to building a really good relationship with your children over the span of their 18 years that they live at home, most likely mm -hmm. is not based in fear. Yeah. I think you have to, you have to pause and think about the consequence of it. And there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, people nowadays coddle their kids Their kids are not disciplined. And, and there is an issue out there in the world today with a lot of kids like that aren't disciplined. Well, and I, aren't... I think you could go extreme the other way. Right. We really value teaching our kids how to trust themselves, right. make decisions, yeah. make those choices mm -hmm. and to live a life that they feels best for them. Yeah. Not necessarily what mom and dad want. Yeah. Um, but I think if you teach more from that and from love, you will have more direct influence over your children yeah. in a way that is positive and uplifting and not based in fear. I'm just going to do what they say mm -hmm. because I'm terrified yeah and, and, and then they leave the house and then they don't really know how to like govern themselves yeah yeah um there was a gal and i don't know if i agree with everything she taught what the peck nickel nickel oh Nicola, peck. um Nick, nicoline nicoline peck yeah that's what okay. it is nicoline peck and she had kind of a model and she's actually got some books i think that are kind of i think the book we had was called house united maybe yeah so, and it, she has a model and it's sort of this conversation that you have with your kids when they do something bad and sitting mm -hmm. down it's like, and it goes back to some of the other things we've talked about, but it's like, okay, let's look at the situation, right? Let's look at the possibilities. So like, okay, what were the possibilities of how you could have behaved? Mm -hmm. What did you choose? What was the result? Let's look at another choice. Could you have chosen something else? And this is the hardest part for them, right? Cause a lot of times they feel very justified and and, and this obviously becomes more effective as they get older than five because they're not really super right. But but you can still talk to a five-year-old or a four-year-old with like, okay, what was your choice? Okay. And you're, you'll be surprised how much a four-year-old processes life yeah. and can understand life. And so it's like, okay, what did you choose? Okay, I chose to cry at the store. Okay. And what was the result of that? M mommy um, grabbed me hard or you know, mommy told me to shush or shut up or whatever. Mommy yelled at me, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Um, and mommy's really sorry about that. Right. Mommy did not, mommy doesn't want to do that. And so I want to talk to you. So mommy doesn't yell at you and I want to work together. And I've had to have those conversations. I remember having a conversation with Tyler, like, look, man, you're like the, the, the fact that you're completely ignoring me and disrespectful is making it hard on me. I'm, I, I'm finding myself wanting to resort to physical control over you. So I want to acknowledge that I don't want to be that kind of dad. So how can we communicate? This is literally like 11-year-old kid I'm talking to. 12-year-old kid, I think, is when we talked about this. What, how can we work together so that I don't have to resort to this? Are you willing to step up and, and listen? Is there something I could do in those moments? And, right, and sometimes just exploring it together, we could come up with ideas. Right, and that's not saying that 
you're not placing the responsibility on Tyler right. for your actions. You're just saying, no. hey, let's work together. So I don't go to this place. I think that's the thing we have to like really recognize as a family. We're in this together. And even as parents, we may be older. We may be the responsible ones. We don't always have the answer. Well, as they say, teamwork makes the dream work. Yes. And so if we can get our kids to a place where it's like they're a part of the solution also, then they do feel more accountability. Now, I think you have to be careful. Like you can't, it's, and I've, I, we all made that mistake before. Like I've, I've definitely put in things, put things on my kids that were really on me. Um, but working, it's like, Hey, I, my desire is for our relationship to be like this. What do you desire a relationship to be like? How do we do that? Now we're kind of out of the tolerance stage when we're talking about that stuff, but it's the foundation of it starts at these ages mm -hmm. where it's like, look at what your reaction, what other options could you, well, I could have, I could have not cried. Okay. What do you think would have happened if you didn't cry and you asked nicely for that thing? Right. I don't know. Maybe mommy wouldn't have bought it. Okay. But let's look at that. What if you didn't get the candy? Could we have, would, would mommy have been happier? And would you have been happier? Yeah. Okay. Well, could we have then found something else fun to do? Listen to a song in the car or sing a song together or play a game at home? Is there something else? Yeah. Okay. So what, how can we work together on this? And so just teaching them these things and not once again, to make them responsible for your parent, your actions and your responses, but giving them a reality that their behaviors have the impact on other people. And it's okay to help them to understand that. So, um, then, uh, from there, I, I think that really becomes the key to not spanking is that I know that I, uh, there's a great quote, I think it's by Stephen Covey. He says, when we fail to inspire, we resort to control mm -hmm. and we have to recognize when we are leading with fear, we are leading in a mechanism of control that will perpetuate and create shame later on and less communication. Yeah. And so, yes, spanking does work. Well, and it's also very efficient. Like right. it, it takes a lot of time and effort and energy Yeah. to parent in general and different stages require well, this more. This is the key is that you have to understand is efficiency now or effectiveness now creates problems in the future. And so if you want to have a relationship where you don't talk to your kids when they're 16, cause they're afraid of you, they're afraid of your response. And even if you love them, even if they know they love you, but your pattern has been one of of fear, they're not going to feel comfortable talking to you. Yeah. And so, and so really recognizing that the, if you want to make your life way easier in 10 years, start now by empowering yourself to, to, to manage your children in those challenging moments without fear. And in, from a place of seeking to understand, seeking love, yeah. seeking teaching. So, um, yeah. Anything else around fear that you want to talk about? No. Okay. So we have one more topic. Um, uh, that we wanted to talk about. And this was something that I felt like um, came from my efforts to build a business in the education arena. And so um, I had a company that um, was uh, teaching people how to build businesses and um, we would do these large seminars. And I realized that I had to learn how to teach. And so I realized that teaching isn't necessarily natural. Now we all most of us love to give advice. Most of us love for our opinion to be heard. But it's one thing to just express your opinion. It's another thing to learn how to teach. And there's some fascinating um, research out there on what helps and causes learning to take place. 
and there's you know programs and processes such as instructional system design that people use for teaching mechanisms and a lot of that leans on the concept that repetition is the mother of all learning so the more you repeat something the more it's learned so that's one thing to recognize is that if you're going to teach your kids something or if you want your kids to learn something it's probably not going to be taught in one fell yeah. swoop right uh, you, you're going to have to do it over and over. Walking, we didn't just stand up and start walking. We had to fall down, fall down, fall down, fall down, right? And um, and then gradually we did it right. So most things in life to learn at any sort of proficiency is going to require some repetition to get there. But there's another concept that I learned that was really interesting, and it was about how to accelerate the learning process with people. And it came from the idea that if you think about the mem the moments that you remember as a kid. So I'll kind of share with you kind of how I usually take people through this. So so if you think about one or two moments you remember as a kid, I will bet I can describe in relative uh, terms what those moments were. I would bet that some of those moments were extremely painful moments. And some of those moments were extremely exciting or positive moments. So what do extremely negative moments and extremely positive moments have in common is they both involve emotion. So whether it was your first kiss or that time your dad said or did something to you that really hurt or mother or friend, right? That becomes a hyper emotional experience is what I call them. And what you realize is in, in, in a room of, of people over 20 years old, I would often ask, how many of you remember where you were for 9-11? Like where exactly you were? And most people remember exactly where they were, the, you know, where they were standing, who they were with, all of those things, right? Because hyperemotion causes the brain to turn on and pay attention to vividness and to all the details around it because it says, hey, this is an important thing to pay attention to. That emotion creates this fight, flight, flee mechanism in us, right? But it also stores a mechanism that says, if this shows up again, we're going to see how we reacted this time and see if we should react like that again. So emotion is highly palpable in creating the beliefs that we have in our lives. The more uh, experience we have that were emotional or, or referring back to the emotions, the moments we felt like were emotional, we oftentimes created a belief in that moment about this or that, about how to react in these types of situations. And that leads to the patterns of behavior that we have in our life. Um, and so if we want to instill positive behaviors in our life, one of the things we can do is recognize that those moments when our kids are in fear, our kids are in excitement, these are opportunities for deep learning to take place. And so I, once I understood this concept, I started to sort of make my own like version of this with my kids. And so do you remember what I used to do with the kids all the time? You would like get really excited, like pick them up and... Yeah, so there's two there's two ways in which I did this. So one way I was creating positive emotion, yeah. right? So I would swing them around, or I would wrestle with them and pick them up in the sky, right? And 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 you know, and, and just making them giggle and laugh. And then, like you know, a lot of times, you know, you're like wrestling with your buddy and you're holding them down, and you're like, "Say, uncle, say, uncle." Well, what I would do in order to get up is I'd make them say a positive affirmation about themselves, 
right? So I'm smart, I'm funny, I'm creative, or whatever. Just some sort of affirmative belief about who they are. I am strong, or whatever. And so uh, by them saying that, that, at that heightened emotional experience, that's what they start to remember. There's one other thing that I used to do, though. Do you remember this one? Around, okay, so the other thing that I used to do. Refresh my memory. And this does kind of backfire in the end, but it's oh. kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, sort of backfire, but I think it actually got the real result. But when the, what I would do is sometimes I would call, and Tyler's my oldest, so he got probably the most of this. But I would I would I would go over to him and I'd be like, Oh, kind of remember. I'd be like, Tyler, I need to talk to you, right? And and you know sometimes he would you know think he was in trouble, so I'd be like, Tyler, I need to talk to you, and then he'd have that fear response, right, of like, Oh, what did Dad know, or what does he think I did, or whatever? I'm like, Now this is important. And now, you know, once you do this a few times, they start catching on. But I, I just said, I, well, I want they, you. And what, they end up liking it. Yeah. So, so I'd be like, Tyler, do you understand that I love you? And then he'll be like, oh, I thought I was going to get in trouble, right? Or um, Ty, I'd be like, Tyler, I have something really important that you need to understand, right? Now, you, you pay attention. Are you paying attention to me, son? I'd be really direct with him, right? You kind of get that fear. And I'd be like, you better never forget your dad loves you. But I think after the first time. Yeah. What What's funny is. First time or two, they catch on. So they then on. they start saying, before you can even finish what you're going to yeah. say, they start saying it. Now, what's interesting, and it sort of backfires, because sometimes when you're mad, then they interpret your madness as that you love them. <laughs> Cause that's what their reference is. And that sometimes can be difficult. Sometimes you really are mad and your heart kind of like intense and you need them to like get in line. And they're like, Oh, dad loves us. You know, we can get away with anything. <laughs> you know, so I don't know that, you know, you have to kind of combine that with some of the other lessons that we've talked about today. But I will tell you, I think my kids know that I love them. And I, and I think it started early and it started with these hyper emotional experiences. Um, and, and them recognize using and leveraging emotion to teach the principles and instill in them and install literally programming in their brains that they are smart, they're intelligent, they're creative, they're capable, they have agency, they have choice. And even from two to five, this is a great time to start this part of life. And when you do that, I think you set kids up. You know, we've got a son, he's, he's five, five, he's short, and uh, he's starting on his football team right now. And, and some of that's from the, the nature of, you know, injuries and other things going on. But at the end of the day, he's worked his tail off for that opportunity. And most kids by now would have said, mm, it's just not going to work out for me. And he's, he's proven that, you know, we've, we've seen each of our kids show up and do and accomplish hard things in a way that, that I think started in these practices when they were two to five years old. So are they going to be the world's greatest people in the world? I don't know, but I feel like... I don't think you have to be the world's working. greatest to yeah. make an impact. Yeah. So I think, I think they've I got a good shot at happiness. And be just good humans. Yeah. Yeah. And, and goodness. share that goodness. Yeah. So that is some of our tips for the toddler stage. We dripped into some other stages as well. And a lot of these principles... Become well, I, I think we, we tried to show how... you you can start young yeah. and then you, you reap the the benefits as they get older. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just easy. You start young and then it just becomes a consistent habit Yeah, of how you parent. And it just like, it looks maybe slightly different at different stages, but. 
And if you combine that with the the practice that we talked about, um, how to how to maintain spirituality without religion in that podcast, um, I think that helps, right? To have these weekly um, opportunities with your kids to sit down and talk with them about concepts, about the things they're challenged by, about the relationship challenges in their in the family, and you just you just recognize that hey, well, none of us are perfect, and we're all always growing. And we started when we were two or three, and we just keep on doing that for the rest of our lives. So, yeah. So uh, I feel like that's been a pretty good podcast. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Okay. So thanks for listening. And uh, we hope that if you've enjoyed this, learned something, share it with someone who maybe has a younger kid. Maybe you've got a daughter or a son or a brother or sister, or maybe you yourself, uh, you know, need to go back and listen again, find some answers or check out some of the other podcasts for how to parent in this out of control world. There'll be, there'll be a couple more parts. Yep. We're going to be moving next into the six to 11 year olds, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Kind of the kid, what you classify as like a kid stage. stage. Yeah. That might be a quick one. Yeah. A lot of the same principles apply. We'll uh, bring it to you next week, though. It's going to be good. So share, like, subscribe, and uh, check us out on YouTube, podcast uh, app, and anywhere else that uh, you can find us. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I, I want to talk you, ask you about one thing then. Okay. Um, so our t- You're having a hard time eating yeah. this, Gene. <laughs>